Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Just before I introduce our guest this morning, I would like to acknowledge that this conversation is being held on the traditional lands of the Wachabolic, Jadwa, Jadwajali, Wagaya and Jabagalk people. And I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. So this morning, uh, I welcome uh, John Gorton. Uh, John is the Community Services Manager and the Chair uh, with Gulum Gulum Aboriginal Co-op. Welcome, John. All right, thank you. You wanted to uh, introduce yourself to us, so... So, yeah, I'll do it in Wagai language, which yep. I've been, which is the local language this year, so I'll give it a try. So, Dalk, Nyarinyak, Johnny Gorton, Hood, Atta, Gap, Gap, Jua. So, Dalk means high. Um, Nyarinyak, I am Johnny Gorton, yep. and Hood, Atta, Gap, Gap, Jua is, I'm part of the Hood family who come from this area. So, okay. Yeah. It's the only piece of language I can really speak, but it's um, some language is better than none, considering there's not a lot of it around. Yeah, you're saying the Wagaya language, just before we started recording, there's only small amounts of recording from 60s, and even that is fairly minimal. Yeah, it's so the recordings were done in the 60s with um, a couple of granduncles and stuff like that, and it's um, not a great deal of language. And they've been, you know, the Land Council have been working and the TO group have been working for some time to try and. Um, Get it back to a, a talkable language again, which is quite hard. Yeah, so, um, yeah. You know, particularly when you know you start to involve linguists and stuff like that. It's yeah, it's it's interesting, but you know some languages better than no language, which it was it was for quite a long time. Yeah, sure. Mm. Now you've you've been working with Gulam Gulam for how long? Seventeen years. I've been at Gulam. Yep. Um, and what's firstly what what is the function of Gulam Gulam, and what's your role within Gulam Gulam? So. Gulum Gulum right now is a health and wellbeing service. Um, we we have uh, a, a medical clinic on site which everyone can use. That's open to everyone, not just okay. the Aboriginal community. Not okay. a lot of people know that. Right. Yeah. Um, we also have some. I so I'm the manager of community services, mm-hmm. and in my team I have uh, a couple of justice workers workers that work with adults and youth just to make sure that they do their um, statutory stuff. So, you know, right now there's, you know, we're 3% of the population, but 30% of the prisoners are incarcerated. So there's a a really big gap. Yep. Um, We have some aged care services, like entry level stuff, um, around domestic assistance and property maintenance and things like that. Um, Similar for the Victorian Hack PYP, but that's for younger people, um, for Aboriginal people, it's under 50. Um, we have some early year services. We run a play group. We have um, a homework club for some of the uh, for the primary age kids. Mm. Um, we've got integrated family services. We manage um, some kinship case contracting, um, cradle to kinder, so a wow. whole suite of services yeah. in that family yeah. services. Um, mm. And we do a lot of community engagement activities um, with uh, the whole community and the other team. So. We've got about 50 staff a lot, which a lot of people don't realise. No. We've got a really good balance too. So we employ around 22 to 23 Aboriginal people. Right. Um, and 
So, you know, 50% is a good balance, I yeah. think, when it yeah. comes to um, Aboriginal staff versus non-Aboriginal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, a lot of health and well-being stuff. We're starting to dip our toes in the mental health space because, as we know, it's, yes. um, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal at the moment. And, uh, you know, hopefully over the next few years we can expand that. Mm. And it's, um, mm. yeah, it's, we do a lot. Yep. A lot of people just don't realise what we do. And no. Goulm's been in Horsham since... 1983 we became incorporated but okay we originally started in 82 mm. um which was the year i was born actually so yeah wow yeah, you know, yeah. i wasn't born in horsham though i was i'm actually from i was born in sale Mum, okay mum's from dimbola all right okay uh, so yeah it's uh, we do a lot of different things within yeah. the within the cult space here yeah can I just a personal question i just wonder what it might have been give us an insight for you what it might have been like growing up as an Aboriginal throughout, you know, we, for me, you know, and I was shocked to hear that, you know, someone spoke about being a part of the stolen generation in the 80s. Can you give us some brief insight, a personal reflection growing up as Aboriginal? Yep. So, as I said, I was born in Sale and mum was, mum married me old man down there. So, um, and she ended up in Sale because her family was there. She, she's one of the youngest, or she's the youngest daughter in a, in a family of 15, I think. Wow. Um, oh, th- don't worry. There's a family around here that's. Um, I think there's like 20 siblings. Oh. Not not now currently. Yeah, but, right. you know, yep. The older mob. Yep. Um, so I didn't. I, my my father, who's a white guy, he's. I think his family's originally from Germany. He. Um, wow. He he was actually disowned by his mother for marrying mum because wow. she was a black man. Wow. A black woman. Sorry. Yep. Um, so I don't, I don't know a great deal about my father's family, um, and he doesn't generally talk about it now because of, you know, what's happened to him over the journey. Mm-hmm. And also, I, you know, I don't really see him that often because he lives down Trelgan. And, sure. Um, but my first experience, even with something like racism, unfortunately, was here in Horsham at one of the schools I went to. I'm not going to name the school because no. it's not about the school. No. It's um, just about how how I was treated, and. Um, you know, mum explained what racism is and was because I was called a coon. Yep. I didn't understand what that meant. No. Um, I actually thought they were calling us something to do with the cheese because yeah. I was yeah. like, I think it was about seven or eight and yep. I just had no concept of it. Um, we moved away. I actually went to five different schools in eight years because wow. we just bounced around a lot. Yep. So we ended up in South Australia, in Adelaide, um, Went, I went to a school, then we moved to a town called Manham. Yep. Um, and then we moved back to Horsham when I was in year eight. Yep. And um, in Manham, I didn't get a lot of racism sort of stuff. In Adelaide, I did because the city's, even though it's diverse, it's, it's, it was a really... Right. It was almost like if you didn't hang around with your own people, whether you're Aboriginal, Greek, Italian... Okay. All right. Asian. It was it was really weird. It was, it was not, I've never experienced anything like that before. Okay. But um, I come back to Horsham and really, because this is where I've lived the most, uh, the racism was quite a lot, particularly in school here. Um, I also had in, a, we were treated really bad by the police when we first moved back as well. Um, you know, one of our cousins had a bit of a reputation. He was only young, 15, I think. But he was a bit of a hothead. Um, 
And I remember walking up near the Wimmera Bridge, Bridge one day and yep. at the back of the BP, uh, well, not at the back of the BP, we were sort of at that yeah, that laneway there. Yep, yeah, yeah. And the cops took us down to the where the Harley Davidson store is at that big shed and lined us up at the back of the big shed. And there was about six or seven of us and, you know, padded us down, emptied our pockets and, you know, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be over this side of town. But, and I didn't, again, I was only a, less than a week back in Horsham and, I didn't know what that meant. So hang on, anyway, that that's actually happening in the nineties then. Yeah. So this was ninety five. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and again, I didn't know. I said to my cousin later, I'm like, "What does he mean? We're not supposed to be over this side of town." He goes, "Oh, we're we're, we're black. We should be in the Bronx." Right. And I'm like, "Okay, that does." Because I was new to town again, and I, that didn't make sense to me. And then every time they seen us, they'd pull us over and. Some of the guys actually used to get strip searched and stuff like that. Um, wow. Um, I remember one time we were over at the velodrome. There was five of us, me, younger brother, and some cousins. And um, there was this broken chair, the back of the one of the seats that fold down yep. was broken. And we were using that on our bikes. And anyway, two cop cars pull in like really fast and we were just sitting there and we thought they were chasing someone. Turns out they were chasing us. Anyway. They asked who broke the chairs and we were like, no, they were broken when we got here. And um, they said someone had seen us break them or something. And so um, they put us in the back of the cop car, the five of us in two, the two cop cars, took us down the police station. And we had to sit there for, I think it was nearly seven hours in a circle back to back until we confessed to something we didn't do. Um, and that was, for me, being, I think I was 14. Yeah, well. That was... Um, that was pretty bad. You know, yeah. That was probably the, one of the worst things that happened to me, I suppose. Well, not the worst, because as we got older, yeah. you know, um, we didn't get a, when we played footy in juniors, we got a bit of racism. Right. But, you know, people like my younger brother, he's 6'5 now. Um, there's a younger lad, Ricky Marks, who's quite well known. Um, we had, some of the guys were a bit of enforcers, I suppose, on the footy field. So if anyone said anything like they'd, generally get taken care of on there's the a, footy There's field. a few enforcers on the footy field, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, it, it didn't happen, though, when we... So when I transitioned to playing at Taylor's Lake after I finished my junior footy, I'd never once got any racism on the field yeah, from right. adults, so, yeah, yeah. which is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in the general community, again, the police were really bad. Right. You know, they, um, they actually used to... You know, my younger brother, as he got older, he... Um, He's a bit of a hothead himself, particularly during his early 20s. Um, he worked at the commercial hotel and um, people used to, because he was a big guy, like tall, not as big as me, I'm a big dude, but yeah. um, he used to get targeted a lot by random people, yeah. whether it's from Horsham or outside of town, okay. um, always wanting to fight him. Right. And, um, he used to get harassed by the police a lot. Mm. And the harassment for us was we were, because we were with him, we're guilty by association. Okay. So yep. even someone like Robbie Fry, who's quite well known, yeah, yeah, he was a part of that. Yeah. That's, they treated him the same way they treated Tra Colin. Okay. Um, that's my younger brother. Um, and because we all hung out as a group, and sometimes, you know, there'd be, you know, myself, Robert, and Colin, and there's a few other people. Um, a couple of Harrison boys, Jake and Brett Goods. And yep, yep. So we could be about 10 people. And then they started labelling us a gang. Yeah, right. Which, that really bothered me because 
the, so this is how their hierarchy went. This come from a police officer too. Um, yeah, we had Colin, who was the younger brother, who was the ringleader. Yep. Me and Robert were his lieutenants and all these other Aboriginal guys were, his, okay. were our followers. So they used realistically, to you're just a bunch of guys who like hanging around together. We grew up together. Yeah, growing up. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. met the, the goods lads when I moved back to Horsham. They were living here. So Jake, who's my age, I, we ended up really good friends and Brett was a couple of years younger. Yeah. You know, we hung around with him. You know, there's Ricky, myself, yeah. my brother, Robbie, who's a few years younger than us. But as they got to their teenage years, we all just hung around each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't all play footy and they're on no. the same team. We played against each other, a lot of yeah. us. Um, but they just, a lot of people treat us differently. And then, you know, as you get older, you know, we start to get aware of racism and yeah. stereotyping is another thing. I really hate stereotyping. And my biggest one at the moment is, um, you know, Aboriginal people get free money, free cars and free houses. Yep. Which, admittedly, if that stuff was around, I would have jumped in that line. And I think everyone else would have if they were giving out free houses and free cars and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I... I don't know where, where it do you started. Think they, oh, you don't, you don't know? Yeah, I don't know where it started. And the only thing I can think of, we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, is um, yeah, you've got Ab Study yep. and you've got Oz Study. I yeah. don't know if Oz Study still exists. But I don't know either. It's, they're virtually the same, same thing. Yeah. Just one's for Aboriginal and one's for everyone else. Yep. Um, there's no extra money or anything involved. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, it's really – stereotyping is really bad. You know, men, we're alcoholics, we're drug addicts perpetrators, family violence, mm. you know, all these different mm. things. And mm. it's just, it really annoys me. Yeah. That, you know, that's the common view. Yeah. Because all those views, like in Horsham, for example, if you're an Aboriginal person, it's very hard to get um, private rental. Um, right. You, Even if you've got all the credentials checked. Yeah. It's, it's virtually, I'd say nearly impossible. Nearly. I know some people who have got private rental only because they're known to the persons that, you know, the, the, you know whether it's the homeowner or um, the, uh, the agent that's doing wow. the work. It's, um, so I've been trying to frame how this question, but you've, you've said that your, your heritage is both German and Aboriginal. Like, how does that sit? Like what, or is it just because you're so strongly Aboriginal? Am I, am I, and I, yeah. can I, is that the correct term to use as well? Can I check that? Aboriginal is the correct term to be? Depends who you ask. Okay. There are some people who don't like Aboriginal. Some people don't like to be called Indigenous either. So. Okay. All right. Um, there, some people just prefer to be called by their tribe, what their tribe is. So for me, it's Watch Valley. Well, yep. Okay. In relation to your question about being identifying as German, I identify as Aboriginal because that's what I grew up knowing. Right. Um, I, whilst I acknowledge I have German heritage, I don't know nothing about him. And when, like I said before, when I've tried to ask me, old man, he yep. pretty much shuts down because of the way yep. his family treated him. So I don't, yeah. so I don't, like I acknowledge, you know, I have German heritage, but um, I'm an Aboriginal. But has that also caused you grief at, at, at some way along the way? Because you don't look Aboriginal or you're not Aboriginal enough or how does that... There are people who say that, you know, particularly they don't understand why we have white Aboriginals now. So yeah. to put context in why there's white Aboriginals now, the white Australia policy created that yep. assimilation. You know, there's a, um, there's a picture of, of for assimilation in Australia where they had this Aboriginal lady and then they've got that person's kid who's half black and then they've got the next kid, which is 
looks Aboriginal, but is pale skinned with the blue eyes. Yeah, right. So that wow. was their wow. plan for assimilation. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Hence why we have a lot of Aboriginal people walk around that, you know, have fair skinned and blue eyed and stuff mm. like mm. It's, um, I guess it was part of the plan 100 years ago and it's mm. come to fruition, you know, three generations later. So pick up that theme a little bit more about, I guess, the injustice and the hardship, because I know I grew up around conversations was, you know, oh, if you tick the box, you know, that says Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander, there's extra benefits to you in that. Um, like, I can tell you the only benefit you have is if you're on a healthcare guard. Yeah. Like everyone else. Yeah. Me as a worker, I get no benefit from anyone being Aboriginal yeah. other than my own yeah, right. sense of self yeah, okay. and who I am. Yeah. Um, I don't get any free stuff or free things, anything like that. There's, there's no... Does it bother you that that option's on the form then? Or is it helpful in terms it, of I being think it's able helpful to for help. the government in the sense of counting right. numbers because, yep. you know, as I said to you earlier, the, a lot of our people don't for that the census form. Mm-hmm because of the distrust of government. So yes. um, getting an idea of how many Aboriginal people use a service, whether or not they tick the box. Because yeah. there's some Aboriginal people who choose not to tick it either. Yeah, sure. Because they don't want to be put in a box. Okay. Sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's the only purpose I could see. Yeah, really. okay. and, yep. you know, if you're using a justice service, you're probably best not tick the box because there's a good chance you're probably going to end up in more trouble than what you are. I say that generally because of yeah. you know, the current, the way that we're treated by police and yeah. you know, the current population of yeah. incarcerated people for, you know, in Australia. But that, is it, I don't want to soften it, but is that a, like it's a very general statement? Like, I'm, sh- like yeah. I'm sure in the industry that you're working in and the kind of relationships you have now, you'd be coming across some brilliant police who are trying to work and change the oh, image. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's, and it's certainly changed in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. The guys. Trevor Alsom, who's no longer around anymore, he passed away a few years ago, He's was always the number one guy that Aboriginal people really liked yeah. when he was in with Horsham Police. Sure. And um, he actually ended up working at Gorm four years before he retired because he wasn't ready to retire yet, <laughs> um, which shows you the amount of respect we had, yeah. you know, the community had for him. Um, yeah. He was just yeah. one of the best blokes you could meet. Yeah. And there's still some good ones now. Like, uh, I don't... Fortunately, I haven't had any dealings no. other than, um, yep. you know, working alongside police the last probably 10 years or yep. so. Um, Peter Mallington was another guy. Yeah, who, um, no, Pete. Great he, guy. He actually, when my older brother passed away in a car crash in 2013 and um, one of his aliases was Jeffrey Gorton. Um, he, so I've got three older siblings. They're from a different marriage. Right. Um, she was okay. married twice. Anyway... Um, he just assumed that because there were only other Gortons in town, me and my younger brother, right? he must be related to us. And he'd come around to ask because they need someone to identify the body. Oh, wow. Um, he'd come around and he said that I'd come around because I didn't know any other Gortons and I know you used to and he lived up the road from us. So I'd, I thought I'd just put my hand up because I know you and I wanted to, you know, make sure that it was someone appropriate for you. So... Um, over the time that we've worked with Pete, um, he's become really good. There's a couple others, and yeah. there's not a, but the, because I don't know a great deal of them anymore, and they don't yeah. harass us like they used to. Yeah. Um, particularly the younger brother, that a lot of them don't harass him like they used yeah. to, and he's pretty quiet now. He's, yeah. just, um, he's he's either working or at home, sort of thing. So, <laughs> um, 
So talk to me about the, the population, the local population. You said, and you've already highlighted that not everyone would fill in the census because of distrust towards the government. Um, but the numbers of um, in the Aboriginal community locally and that you service and the, the Gullum Gullum care for, um, and I, I guess to that extent the Baranjiganj and Land Council represent, um, but even the numbers that you might know of, but the numbers you suspect. Yep. So the census, I think, for Horsham said there's, I think it was 308, right. somewhere around there. Right. Um, and for the Wimmera, I think it's 620 or somewhere around that number. Um, we have probably a thousand people, a thousand identified Aboriginal people right. in our books. Yep. Um, one thing I didn't tell you before is when someone, when an Aboriginal person uses Gorm, we get them to do a confirmation of Aboriginality. Um, so they just go through a process to make sure that, you know, if they're Aboriginal, then they can prove it. And because we want Aboriginal dollars going to Aboriginal people, not, right. not okay. just some random. Okay. Who ticks the box. Okay. Like you were saying before. Trying to take advantage of systems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and generally, the services we have are the same as funded somewhere else. They're yep. just within an ACO. Yeah. Um, ACO is an Aboriginal Community Controlled Org. Um, so I'd say I'd say the population of the Wimmera is probably closer to a thousand. Mm, mm. Um, Brangie Gadgen only deal with traditional owner group. That's, okay. That's their right. Okay. That's their patch. Yeah. Um, Gorm, Gorm, we deal with every Aboriginal person who identifies. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, Berenji Ganjan, I noticed, are having a, a, a fair bit to do with the treaty and the treaties. Yeah. And you, so you wouldn't be in that area. No. Okay. So, the difference between the two core businesses of the two, Gorm is health and welfare. Okay. Berenji Gadget is cultural heritage. Great. All so right. Part of their native title consent is they look after the land that they, okay. that they either own or. Um, they have Indigenous land use agreements over the whole of the Wimmera area. Yeah. So um, I think that's how it works. I, I'm a member of Berenji, but I don't have a great deal to do sure. with them because I, you know, my that's, work yeah. is in health and welfare. Yeah. So and you just mentioned today too, like just as I guess, a, I just think it's brilliant that you're actually become the chair of the Riverda City um, Master uh, Plan uh, Group. Uh, the, the, the Community Reference Group, which is yes. um, phase one, they're calling it. Okay. Of, um, I think it's maybe a, you don't want me to say that too publicly. At the uh, yeah. <laughs> I it's an, like I said, it's I, a great. I was just, it's a great thing to be part of and it, explore. I do because I, I, you know, I grew up on the river here. Like yeah. whether it was here or wherever. But when we moved back to Horsham, we spent. You know, I'm wearing a Wimmer River top now. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's one of the programs we do with Gorm. But um, you know, swimming, fishing. Like me and my younger brother, Evan Robbie, who we didn't realise was a big fisherman. Um, we fish nearly every chance we can get. Yep. Um, swimming in the river when we we're kids yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. It's, um, and you know, water is the lifeblood of any people. Yes, you know, it is um, uber important yep. as an Aboriginal person to, um, you know, it would have kept our people alive back in the day, sort of thing. You know, as the only water source. Yeah. In saying that, I actually do know how to find water in the desert. It was something that was taught by my grand uncle. Wow. That's hey, impressive. Hey, it's, That's uh, fantastic. I didn't think it was going to work when he told us originally, but um, it did. It did. Wow. Hey. So, all right. So, I I drive into Horsham and I see the sign that says um, uh, we're on Watchabolic land, land, country, yeah. um, and I recognise and acknowledge. Uh, a, is it five groups? Yep. 
the five groups they recognise is because they're spread out across the Wimmera. Right. So the Wachabali people generally start north of Dimbool and go up past Alpacacha. Okay. Um, I don't know the width though. No, sure, that's okay. Um, Jabwa is Horsham and some of the surrounding area. Okay. Um, I want to say Jabwa Jali is sort of around that northern Grampians. Okay. And Yapagolk is more towards, uh, um, you know, the Donald St. Arnold. Yep. It's border, it borders with, um, sorry, I keep putting my hand up in front of my face. <laughs> um, um, the Jarjabarung Jar country, which is in Bendigo, sort of, okay. you know, right. coming back towards the Wimmera. And the Wagaya, the Wagaya, I'm not 100% sure where they sort okay. of fit in. Right. Know, where it might be probably that northern part. Our northern neighbours are Wamba Wamba, yep. Lachi Lachi. Yep. Um, and, you know, to the south is the Gundij Maramot. Mm. And then south, southeastern of the Grampians is, um, oh no, I think it's all Gundij Maramot. Oh, Japarung. Sorry. Okay. Right. Um, right. My great, great grandfather was um, from um, Japarung country. Wow. So, wow. Um, yeah. He was the first English name. Aboriginal person in our family, a part wow. of the family. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can trace back my grandfathers on both sides to their f- to the first English, except for um, everyone's heard of Dicky Dick. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the tracker that found the Duff Cooper children. Yes. He's my great great grandfather. Oh wow. They, uh, I just had someone talking to me about that the last few days. Yeah. They, yeah. So yeah. Um, that's the line I come off on the Kennedy side. Okay. And the hood side, yeah. Is, yeah, right. Um, yeah, wow. Chaparong. Fantastic. Um, our culture says that we follow our mother's side, our okay. lineage, so yep. that's why I say watch a bali. Yep. Hey. Yep. Um, we talked briefly just about the loss of language a little bit earlier on. How significant is that for you, knowing that it's drifted away, you know, since even in the 60s it was pretty difficult? Yeah. How much it, of a loss do you feel in that now, even now? Um, I, it... It sometimes makes me sad because there's other areas that speak language quite heavily. Yes, and, yeah. you know, I've been able to recapture it. Um, you know, ours is a little slow going because there's just not enough mm. Um, mm. meat on the bones, I suppose, to be able to, you know, create a whole lot. You know, and, and, you know, credit to Branja Gadget and they're working on it and hopefully yes. they, you know, at some stage come up with... Um, they've once had a draft dictionary of um, language names to animals and all sorts of plants yeah, and yeah. You know, whatever. Hopefully they get to that next stage where it's past the draft and, you know, yep. it's a final version, I suppose. Um, you know, there's a lot around culture that I'd like to know, you know, and, you know, my mum only knows so much. Yeah, you know, right. And, there's, and other elders, like I said to you before, we don't have a lot of elders. I can name the people over 60, that's how, because there's just so few of them left now. Yeah. And once that generation gone, there's going to be a lot of wow. knowledge lost. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, even back in the 60s, like a lot of the old people didn't pass on okay. knowledge yep. to the next generation. And, then, you know, they did the same thing to like our generation. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, whilst a lot of it has been lost, we're doing a lot of, the Land Council's doing a lot of work to try and bring mm. some of that stuff back. Mm. Yeah. Yep. How important, like on our nation is talking a, a fair bit around the nature of reconciliation, the tension about Australia Day, Invasion Day. How important is that for a local 
Aboriginal community and what are the challenges? Um, so I suppose that for me personally, that I don't I don't care what Australia Day is and whatever. Like to me, it's about the narrative of what it is. So. You know, if you ask anyone else in Australia at the moment, what are you doing on Australia Day? Oh, we have barbecues and yeah, we yeah. have beer to celebrate, whatever. Yep. So, but if you Google Australia Day, yeah, that's where the problem starts because right. the narrative says we celebrate the landing of the first fleet. Okay. So I think if government changed the narrative for Australia Day, mm. it might solve a little bit of the issues. And I think sometimes Aboriginal people forget the day that's chosen has only been here since the early 90s. Like... Well, yeah, I've, I've spoken about it with my wife a number of times. And I, I, growing up, I don't even remember celebrating Australia Day. So it's a fairly, it seems to be a fairly recent... Yeah, and, and that's just me personally. Like, I've sure. even heard Lydia Thorpe, um, who's an Aboriginal lady, who's been on, like, the first Aboriginal something in Parliament. I can't remember. Yeah, okay. Victoria. Yep, yep. Um, but she's talking about changing the name of Victoria and Queensland and stuff like that. Like... Does that really matter? Let's concentrate on what you know. Black Lives Matter is talking about, which is their police brutality and mm. um, systemic changes. Um, yes, I don't think changing the names of things for me doesn't really do anything. I guess, yeah, sure, because we can change the names a lot of anything, but it's it's not going to solve the systemic issues around racism and stereotyping. Mm. Um, so, you know, yeah, we've only talked about that stuff but there's I don't know so what does reconciliation look like for you what is I think it's just acceptance and equality for me equality is a big thing I I own I bought my first brand new car last year because being a manager now I can afford (laughs) that (laughs) and um yeah I was the first person in my family to own their own home wow and um wow what I, car did you buy, incidentally? That's the... I don't really want to say because I get embarrassed. Now. Okay. Right. Uh, no, you shouldn't be embarrassed. Well done to you. Well, this is the thing. It comes back to this stereotyping around, yeah, sure. um, you know, free cars. So I'll, I'll say what it is. It's a uh, 2019 Ford Ranger Raptor. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. So anyone that knows what a Ranger is, it's yeah. the top line. Yeah. Um, Something you've worked hard for and like... Yeah. Any... Well, it's funny because I, I looked at a Hilux first and we went around and test drove the Raptor and my younger brother and one of the lads were with us like, so I want an objective opinion, which should I get? They're just like, what do you mean? Just get the Raptor. <laughs> if you can afford it, just get it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the, so <laughs> the, 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 the thing is the stereotyping comes in where, you know, I, I can be around my own family and feel proud and whatever, but then yeah, when... Okay. I, when White people see me getting out of it. It's almost like oh, I bet you got that from free car, right? Yeah, the free car thing. So I, f- I feel a sense of shame as well as pride, which know? is really interesting too. Because like even as a, a local church minister and the heritage of ministers, I know, and I've had conversations with other people that oh, we must be paying you too much if you can get a new car, kind of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting. But you know, when we talk about re- reconciliation, equality for me is. Just being treated equal. Like, yep. It doesn't matter if you've got dark skin, light skin, yeah. or whatever you identify as or anything like that. It's just, yeah. just, just treat us equally. Don't say, we don't need to have all these negative connotations associated with this when, you know, like any, it doesn't matter if you're black, white or purple, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's always those guys that are going to be 
you know, part of the low socioeconomic group and yeah. getting into trouble, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's highlighted for us because minority and it's easy to see it. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, sure. You know, if you want to look at pure numbers, which some people put out there, it's uh, whilst, you know, with maybe getting, you know, 10 people getting in trouble, Aboriginal people, there's going to probably be 100 white yeah. people doing the yeah. same thing. Yeah. But they don't get treated the same. Yeah, okay. So equality is just, I think, reconciliation for me is all we want. Yeah. You know, um, the Wimmera is also, there's three things I found out this year that were lows for the Wimmera. Um, so for as a region, we have the highest unemployment rates for Aboriginal people. Right, yep. And we also have the highest non-attendance rates in secondary and primary school. So hang on, so is that across Australia or across Victoria, did you say? Just the Wimmera region. Oh, okay. So the the Wimmer, high, in, okay. as in the highest rates for Victoria. Oh, oh sorry, yep, yes. okay. So, um, sorry, that was my bad, I should have. No, no. So yeah, the highest unemployment in school, non-attendance, secondary, primary for the state. For the state, yeah. wow. So, which both go hand in hand. Yeah. If you've got low attendance, you're not getting educated. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got not a lot of people employed, it's probably because low education. Yeah. And um, so how do you think we can overcome that? Like, and I say we, because I think we need to find ways in which we work together. What are, I guess, you know, is there a sense where, is there something, what do we do differently? Well, I think we've got a program called the Best Start Program Mm-hmm. Uh, state funded by the big government. We work with um, early services to um, educate around Aboriginal issues and make the services what we call culturally safe. Okay. So um, what culturally safe looks like means that, you know, you, ha- you don't just have all the generic um, resources, you also yep. have Aboriginal resources because yep. there's plenty of them out there. Yep. And... Um, the resources is not just, you know, stuff around health, welfare and all that. Um, there's also, you know, your toys, you know, having some Indigenous stuff, you know, read an Indigenous story. You'll find most kinders now that they do acknowledgement to countries. Yeah, okay. Um, there's, like if you go into somewhere like Kelke Road Hub, yep. you go in, there's a big carpet with a the, mm-hmm. the symbol for meeting. Yeah, okay. Um, which is an Aboriginal, which was designed by Brett, Harris, Brett Harrison here. And then you got the footprints leading to rooms that are named after animals, and they okay. also have the Wagai language okay. as well. So, right. okay. Um, and then you go in, you see the Aboriginal TI flags, and the kids learn what they mean and you mm. know the, what the mm. colours mean and things like that. So, I think at little children, sort of that age, it, it, you know, they're more susceptible and open to learning. So yeah. they they learn that stuff, but then they go into primary, and that's this is where I think the problem starts for us. This is a you know, Aboriginal history is not teaching or taught as Australian history. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, to me, Australian history started when Captain Cook arrived. Mm-hmm. And then they don't talk anything about whether it's the good or the bad that Aboriginal people did. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people wouldn't even know. David Unipon, who's on the $50 bill, mm-hmm. they would never have wrote a blade if he hadn't done some patents around why boomerang stays in the air. Right. I'm well, not even sure you know that. I don't know if you know that. No, I don't know that. No. So the way that the boomerang moves through the air yep. and is able to stay in the air yep. is based off the, – the rotor blade is based off the patterns of that that he did. Right. But because it was the early 1900s and he was still considered flora and fauna, he gets no credit so, for it. Wow. Yeah. Hey. So it's about recognising the fullness of our history. Hey. I yeah. mean, the, the cricket team – 
yeah, you know, the first eleven, the the yeah. first eleven, yep. is only now just being recognised, and yep. you know, it, things like that, particularly because they're up in our area, we should be celebrating those things. Yeah, there's a museum out at Harrow. Yeah, Harrow, and um, you know, they have the an annual match, and mm. the MCC have started to recognise it over the last few years. And, yeah, yeah, um, you know. There's so many good things that have happened, and this is probably part of the problem why we have so much either racism or stereotyping is that we only ever see the negative yeah. and we never see the positives. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, some of the stuff that Aboriginal people do could be considered as part of science and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, mm. you know Budge Bim down at you know, Gunishmara country near Haywood and that, and they, they just recently got their, they've got like, um, Waterways, um, it was like an aquaculture thing. Okay, yeah, um, was um, World Heritage listed this, um, wow. this this year, I think. Okay, which is huge because there's no other Aboriginal community that has any World Heritage no. listings in Australia. Yeah, wow, wow. Um, hmm. Yeah, it, it, even around here, like ninety percent of Victoria's rock art, Aboriginal rock art, is in the Grampians. Yeah, not even not many people in Horsham have ever been to Golgan, Munya, and Yamadige, which is twenty minutes down the road, no. right towards Stall. Okay. You know, it's, if you're Australian, to me, if you're Australian, Aboriginal culture is your heritage. Yeah, right, okay. Because if I said to you, wow. what, what's, your, what's your heritage? Yeah. Other than saying you're from another country. If you're Australian, what's your heritage? You don't have one. No. So you should, like the Maori people, they learn Maori language, or New Zealanders, I should say, they learn Maori language and learn Maori traditions and customs. Why can't we afford to do the yeah. same thing? yeah. Normalize it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's it's it seems simple, but there's yeah. there's a lot of lot of lot of things that we could do differently. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Brilliant. Um, we've gone. I I don't think I've actually asked a question that I've written down to you and sent along to you. <laughs> so I really appreciate the conversation. I've I've really got a lot to think about as well myself. Um. But I really appreciate that you've taken the time to come and have a chat with you. Um, I just want, is there anything else that you wanted to add or say or encourage people? I just want to say thanks for the opportunity. You know, I, I've never come into a church group and spoke before. And Sorry, I lie. I did talk to some Year 12s at the Lutheran last year. Okay. That was around NAIDOC week. Yep. We talked about the same sort of things here yep. today. But I think, um, you know, if people watching... I'd suggest if you want to know more about average people, actually have a conversation with one. Yeah. Um, the local library has some really good um, books around um, Indigenous culture from this area and history. Yep. Um, there's some books by like Aldo Masalo and a couple others. Okay. Um, I can't remember the other guys exactly, but, um, you know, they've got some of the history around what happened here. Okay. Um, you know, the, what the Moravian missionaries were intending to do and what actually happened and, yeah. you know, the good and the bad. Um, but then there's just general stories about, you know, other people and things like that. So, you know, I just encourage people to learn, you know, mm. go out to Golga, Munya and Yamadige, Um Which is, tell me where that is exactly. So. Tell us where that is. You know where the um, Mount Zero Olives are? Yep. There's a road you keep going down and that takes you to Yamadige. Okay. Um, I can't exactly spell it for you because I don't know the correct spelling. No, that's fine. That's all right. But um, they are on um, – actually, I can send you a link okay. to where they are so you can – Great. You maybe all put right. it in to show. We might put that at the bottom of our uh, YouTube, at the bottom of our information, our service. Yeah. We'll have that there. Because so. um, they're on Google Maps. Okay. Um, Great. 
Yep. You can just Google them and yeah, 20 minutes out of the road. Fantastic. The is just a neat, nice, easy walk. Golgan Munya sort of goes up into the, okay. you got to go up into the mountain a little okay. bit. Okay, yep. It's, um, for a guy like me who's unfit and, and fat, it, it took me about 30 minutes to get up there. Oh, okay. Probably take you 15. Okay. All right. No Probably worries. less. <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped once or twice. Um, so, yeah, just yeah. just, just yeah. learn some stuff. Yeah. Learn, learn about the other history yeah. that, that isn't taught. And, mm, mm. You know, I've, I've seen some pretty bad pictures of what happened in the past, you know, black yeah. files in chains and yeah. you know, not just around their ankles or no. the wrists, you know, around yeah. their necks yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, yeah. You know, and – Got to remember, some of this stuff is still like this happened in some people's lifetime. Yeah, um, you know the the two significant things that have happened in the last probably hundred years or three. There's been taking from the Flora and Fauna Act in 1918 because mm-hmm. we were considered animal vegetable. Um, the 67 referendum allowing us to vote. And the Marbo decision. They're the yes. only they're the only significant things that have had happened to Aboriginal people in the last hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. And um and despite the fact that they've provided tracking for people to find lost people, but despite the fact they've gone and fought in wars alongside um Australians, white Australians. That's something we didn't even talk about. Most Aboriginal people who fought World War One, two, yeah. And even um the Vietnam, what's that called? The Vietnam, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Um, they don't get recognised no. by the RSL or anyone. It's, um, right, wow. You know, there was talk from council about adding the guys, the Aboriginal guys who um, from this area to the cenotaph and stuff like that. Um, hasn't happened yet, but wow. it, it sort of shows you the, yeah. the disconnect. You know, yeah. we're part, we, we, we are part, so much a part of Australia, but not a part of Australia. Which is... Crazy. Yeah. And, you know, just learn about yeah. different things and why there is so much anger and angst among the Aboriginal yeah. community for the way that we've been treated. Yeah. Um, you know, not all of us have been treated bad, but, no. um, you know, the the older generation are the ones that, mm. you know, obviously my mum got it way worse than we did. And it, yeah. does, it does flow on. It does impact your generation unless we change the narrative, as you said, yeah. and the way that we think about and talk about one another, it's going to continue on Yeah. because there is generational um, tragedy and hardship and struggle that informs who we are, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And we don't even talk about this stolen gene because most wider Australia don't believe it, but... Um you know, it happened as documented. It's, yeah. It was part of the White Australia policy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, even people learning about what what is the White Australia policy, go look it up. Yeah, yeah. It'll tell you what the what the plan was for Aboriginal people at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, you know, well, the, I, I just, I think it was last year, maybe a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with someone and, you know, they they said that, you know, they were in the, they were in welfare systems until they were 16 uh, as an Aboriginal person and then kind of, you know, well, if we're finished now, you're 16, you have to go and make it on your own. And then, her, mm. you know, the system tries to take her kids kind of thing. And so, yeah. you know, and that was in the 80s. And I, yeah. I, I, I was shocked when I heard that because, like, I'm only just really starting to understand so mm. much. But in the 80s, like, still talking about stolen generations. Yeah. And, you know, it's, we've been doing a lot of work with the Victorian government about changing changing policies but working with Aboriginal people to make it better for um, yep. Aboriginal kids going into care. Yeah. So they have introduced some stuff around, you know, the first option is always kinship placement. Yeah. Um, 
So whilst there is that that is happening, unfortunately, you know, a couple of years ago they had Task Force 1000. I think it was 2017 they started. And since then the numbers have doubled of kids entering um, out of home care. Yeah. And that, that there's differing factors because more, more of it's been reported now as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, people even like co-ops now are mandated to report. Yes. And, um, you know, that's why we try to get in before that yep. and do the family services stuff. And yeah, okay. If we get to get that right, it's all good. But um, the ne- if we have to, if they do have to remove kids, then we're there for the kinship option as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. So that's mandated now that kinship yep. option is always the first. When I say kinship, Aboriginal kinship yes. is yep. first. So uncles, aunties, uh, cousins, cousins, a siblings, big part of yeah, they, yep. which is part of the making of an Aboriginal group. Like, yes, yeah. Even for me, like people that aren't my aunties and uncles, I still call auntie yeah, and yeah, uncle anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's fantastic. It's one, yeah. well, and it's a sign of respect. Yeah, you know, if we, I remember meeting this old Aboriginal lad down in Geelong, and um, I was thirteen at the time. He goes, "I don't care if you don't remember my name, but you will call me uncle." And I didn't remember his name, but I called him uncle <laughs> the, whole, the whole two days we were down there because yeah. I was too scared not to. <laughs> and it, you know, young kids these days, there's a bit of a lack of respect, I suppose. Yeah. We, yeah. My generation, we we learn respect from our uncles and that because yeah. you know, the, the whole respect thing isn't enforced, yeah. and that's across every. Yeah, that doesn't matter if you're black or white. No, it doesn't. Doesn't. Um, no, no. But um, you know, respect is a big thing yeah. within Aboriginal culture, and it probably doesn't show a lot when you see mm. all the negative stuff. Um, yeah. But even them kids that do get in trouble and things like that, or young adults, um, if they've got a front respected old people that they do respect, they almost cringe and go back into themselves. Yeah, right. It's, um, it's something that's, it's, uh, I don't know, it, even for me, like if I talk wrong to an old person, I just, I half expect to get, yes, you know, get a bit of a ripping. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, yep. uh, it's okay. just a deeply ingrained into Yes, us. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. John, we're really grateful for the conversation. Thank you for making the time. Uh, Probably went over, I'm assuming. No, no, I don't, I don't actually know. I haven't got a track of it, so hopefully. But I, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I've learned a couple of things. Um, and I hope that for us as a church and local community too, that we've been uh, inspired, encouraged to deepen the conversation, deepen our knowledge, deepen our awareness, uh, and be attentive. We've had a couple of conversations around equality over the last few weeks, uh, and we hope that you've been encouraged. One, of, I guess one of the great go-to text, I think, as I've been um, talking with John, is Psalm 139. We are made in the image of God. And that's, that's not divisive in any way, shape or form. We are made in the image of God. He knit us together in our mother's womb. Um, and I just think that's a beautiful uh, way to reflect and, tech, uh, I guess, um, engage with our community and our context as well. So uh, may you be encouraged this week, friends. May you continue to know the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ as we go about our week. We look forward to the ongoing conversations and we hope again that you can join us uh, online uh, next Sunday as we hear from Ellie Hunter. Blessings, friends.